In this episode, we look at how the internet makes us think we're smarter than we actually are. Get excited because this is Tiny Leaps. Big changes. Another episode of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, where I share research-backed strategies you can use to get more out of your life. My name is Greg Clunas, and one of the incredible, amazing, wonderful things that comes out of the internet is access to knowledge, access to pretty much everything that we could imagine. We know, or at least we think we know, everything. We're able to very quickly find information about anything we might want for our lives or anything that we might just be curious about. We can very quickly find videos and courses and articles and research documents and anything that in the past you would have had to go through significant effort to find is now accessible to us, which is without a doubt a good thing. It is a necessary part of moving humanity forward, creating that shared knowledge base, that shared database that we can all publish and add to so that someone else can pull from. It's an incredibly important part of our society. However, recent research is showing that it might actually be causing us as individuals to think that we are smarter than we actually are, to think that we know more than we actually do. So in this episode, I want to look at the research behind that, explain why this is happening. And as I do with each of these episodes, really talk through what good there is in this, how we can use this and what we need to remember in order to get the most value out of the internet. And as we know, it's only going further and further. We're now having conversations about things like the metaverse, So it's only going to get deeper, and I think it's something we need to address now so that we can be prepared for that. So this should be interesting. But as always, before we jump into it, I want to take a moment to thank today's sponsors. As you know, our sponsors are the reason we're able to do this podcast. So if you hear something you like, I highly encourage you to check them out. And last thing here, if you'd rather not deal with the ads, I honestly get it, and I don't judge you. The good news is you can listen to this episode and all future episodes ad-free right now when you join TLBC+. Learn more at tlbc.co slash join. So I'm going to say something that might shock you. I'm a little bit posh. Like, okay, so I really like nice things. I I can't help it. Like, okay, so I, I love a good cashmere sweater. I love a really cozy pillow top down comforter or like some really, really soft towels. You know, like you step out of the shower. It's warm in there from the steam and you just wrap yourself in like a nice soft towel. Oh, you get me, right? Like I can't be the only one. And I just found out that a lot of this stuff isn't even that expensive. Like, yeah, they're high quality. They're made of good materials, but the price itself gets jacked up with all these middlemen in the process. So instead of paying the real price, you're actually paying the price plus markup after markup after markup. And it's kind of frustrating. 
That's where Quince comes in. Quince is high quality luxury essentials at radically lower prices. Quince was founded to challenge the existing idea that nice things should cost a lot. And they have a very simple mission. Create products of equal or greater quality than the leading luxury brands at a much lower price. One thing I really love about Quince is that they focus on just the essential products you need with low design costs. Things like cashmere crews, super soft fleece pants, silk camis, down comforters, hotel quality sheets, leather cross body bags. They've got women's, men's, home and accessories and even jewelry. And if you're not completely satisfied, Quince will give you a full 365 day refund. That's insane. Customer satisfaction is clearly their highest priority. All of this is why I just placed my order with Quince and I'm super excited to get it. I ordered this uh, Mongolian cashmere cardigan because it's honestly starting to get chilly again. And let's be honest, I'm going to look good in it. So why not join me? Quality shouldn't be a luxury. You deserve it. Try Quince today. And now there's a brand new offer for Tiny Leaps listeners. Get 10% off your first purchase of $100 or more when you use the code TINY10. Just go to onequince.com and use the code TINY10. You still get 365-day free returns, but many of their collections sell out immediately, so you've got to move fast. Head over to onequince.com. That's O-N-E-Q-U-I-N-C-E.com. And then enter the coupon code TINY10. So Matthew Fisher, Mariel K. Gaju, and Frank C. Kale published a paper titled Searching for Explanations, How the Internet Inflates Estimates of Internal Knowledge. And the goal was to explore the effects that access to knowledge can have on our perception of our own knowledge. So the, the fact that we're able to find something quickly, how does that affect our own views of, of what we know? And the core of the study is around this idea that I actually just learned about in doing the research for this episode. It's called transactive memory. And according to Science Direct, here's how it's defined. Quote, transactive memory refers to the ability of a group to have a memory system exceeding that of the individuals in the group. End quote. So put simply, transactive memory is essentially like the hive mind, right? So because you have multiple brains, multiple minds that you can divvy up tasks to, you end up creating this sort of like one system that gives you access to far more than you would have by yourself. So, for example, one person can be in charge and, and they give this example in the, the section I'm going to quote here. But one person can be in charge of knowing how to find ingredients, right? They know how, which mushrooms are poisonous and which aren't. They know how to go out there and like uh, uh, farm and gather the materials they need. And then another person can be completely in charge of understanding how to cook that stuff, right? So the gatherer person doesn't also have to understand how to get the best out of that and how to make it nutritional and taste good and blah, blah, blah. That's the cook's job. But the cook doesn't have to understand how to go and get the stuff. That's the gatherer's job. Now, when you scale that across a society, you get something very similar to, to where we're at, right? Like most of us don't know how to go out there and hunt and kill our own deer and then clean it and cook it and blah, blah, blah. Like most of us don't know how to do that. We know how to go to the store and buy it. But there are people out there 
whose job it is to do that. They know that part of it. Now, it's a little different, partially because uh, our society is a little bit more advanced. And, and so people who are hunting also often know how to cook it. They don't have to like completely hand that part off. But you can see how this idea of applying roles to people and allowing them to focus just on that role then frees up the rest of the group to not have to think about that. They can think about their thing. And when you do that across 10, 15, 20, 100 people, you get a situation that's called transactive memory where the sum of the whole, what you're all able to do together far exceeds that of what you could do by yourself. So that's the idea. And that's where a lot of this study is sort of based around. So here's what they say in the introduction. Quote, quote, a growing body of theoretical and empirical work suggests that transactive memory systems can be technological as well as social. Though these systems are typically thought to be composed of human minds, our reliance on technology, like the internet, may form a system bearing many similarities to knowledge dependencies in the social world. The internet is the largest repository of human knowledge and makes vast amounts of interconnected information easily available to human minds. People quickly become accustomed to outsourcing cognitive tasks to the internet. They remember where to find information and rely on the internet to store the actual information. This evidence suggests that the internet can become a part of transactive memory. People rely on information they know they can find online and thus track external memory. In other words, who knows the answer, but do not retain internal memory, which is the actual answer. End quote. So, Again, super interesting. We go back to this like transactive memory idea where we would distribute knowledge across 10 different people. Some people know some things, other people know other things, but nobody knows everything. The paper is looking at the relationship to the internet and technology in a similar sort of system where we as individuals no longer have to memorize certain things we just need to know how to access it. We just need to remember it's this website or we need to remember it's this search term that gets us that information. And that's a really fascinating thing because never before in history has that been available on such a wide scale. You know, you've got library systems where this is already sort of a part of it, where as long as you know, you remember how to go through the cataloging system, you can find a book on whatever it is that you might be looking for. So you're able to reference the information and remember the reference rather than remembering the actual information because you know you can find it again. But that was always sort of localized. You know, you have to physically go to the library, you have to physically go through this book. You only have access to the information that that library has access to, the books that that library has access to. So it, it was always disconnected and localized. Never before the internet has there been access to all of this stuff at the same time. And it's really shifted the relationship that we have to information in a lot of ways. Because now that we have access to more or less everything, both true stuff and false stuff, now that we have access to everything, 
really our job on a day to day basis is far less about memorizing knowledge, memorizing information, specializing in things and, and really diving deep into things and far more about how do we get better at memorizing the reference? How do we memorize more references? How do we build new systems for storing references so that at some point, the only reference we actually even have to remember is which Evernote tab we have all of our links saved in. It really is fascinating. And, and in a lot of ways, we are outsourcing, as the, the article said, we're outsourcing our responsibility to remember things to technology. Now, whether or not long term that's a good or bad thing, I have no idea. All I know is that it does create this very large system that all or most of humanity has access to. So here's what they found in this study. Quote, searching for answers online leads to an illusion such that externally accessible information is conflated with knowledge in the head. This holds true even when controlling for time, content, and search autonomy during the task. Furthermore, participants who use the internet to access explanations expected to have increased brain activity corresponding to higher quality explanations while answering unrelated questions. The results of these experiments suggest that searching the internet may cause a systematic failure to recognize the extent to which we rely on outsourced knowledge. Searching for explanations on the internet inflates self-assessed knowledge in unrelated domains. Our results provide further evidence for the growing body of research suggesting that the internet may function as a transactive memory partner, end quote. So this is where we get into some of the potential negatives. We as individuals, and by the way, I fully, fully recommend you go through this actual paper yourself. I've got it linked up in the description. But we as individuals are starting to believe that the knowledge we're able to access through the internet is our knowledge, that it's something we have access to. And that's scary for a few reasons. One of them is that I think it leads to people, like I said at the top of the show, feeling like they are smarter than they actually are. All of us feeling like we're smarter than we actually are because we're able to so quickly access and share information that we would have no access to otherwise. We would have no knowledge about otherwise. We can very quickly find a research paper, like I did with this show, find a research paper about whatever topic and talk about that with the people in our lives. And we can take a cursory glance at those things, go through it very quickly and share just those points with the people around us and feel like, well, look how smart I am. I have access to, to, to this. I know this stuff. And it starts to convince us that we know it, that we are, are in a position to fully understand it. And that's something that I'm going to be honest with you. I've been very nervous about and trying to be careful of with this podcast because I, I obviously enjoy pulling up research documents and sharing those findings. This is why I always give the disclaimer that just because this one study found this thing doesn't necessarily mean it applies to all these other things because I don't know. And I want to acknowledge that I don't know. All I'm doing right now 
The only thing I know is the reference for how to find this information. I know which websites I need to go to. I know which searches I need to perform in order to find the information. That doesn't mean that I know the information. That doesn't mean that I understand the information. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think a lot of this is going to get worse. I mean, we still live in a world where you have to actively pull out your phone, a bare minimum, type in either a website or go to Google and search for the information and then filter through what you want to read, what, what you don't want to read, click on that. You still have to go through that whole process, right? But what about a world where it's just delivered to you? I mentioned at the top of the show, the idea of the metaverse. If we're spending all day in virtual reality at some point, whether for work as Facebook is trying to get us to do or for play or, or whatever, If we 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now get to a point where some large percentage of us are spending five, three to five to seven hours a day inside virtual reality, the question of augmenting our experience in there with instant access to information, that's not a real question. It's going to happen. Being able to live in this sort of like metaverse, this virtual reality space, and instantly pull up an article we saved on something without the need to go search it, without the need to pull out a phone, without the the separation of a screen. At some point that starts to feel like, yeah, that's just knowledge we have. That's just what is the difference between having it stored in our brain that we access and instant access through the internet without any of the the spacers in between that current society deals with. So listen, I'm going off topic a little bit, but this is a fascinating conversation. This is something that I think we need to be paying attention to. And we need to be reminding ourselves that having access to information does not mean that we know the information. It also doesn't mean that that information is right. And because we don't know the information, because we're not experts on it, because we aren't the people who have sat and studied and learned and absorbed that information, all we're doing is reading what someone else did. Because we don't have that, it also means we don't necessarily have the tools to distinguish between what is right and what isn't right. To distinguish between someone else sharing something Because they feel they have the knowledge, even though they're not a domain expert and an actual domain expert sharing that info. And I don't really know where this leads us, but I do think a lot of the the, the discourse that we have today around vaccines, masks, so on and so forth, I believe it can be traced to some extent to this phenomenon. So what are the key takeaways? What can we use this information for? Well, first of all, transactive memory is an incredibly effective way to store information. Being able to divvy up the workload allows us as a species to grow at dramatic rates. We can access unlimited information and make decisions based on that information. That, that is a powerful, powerful thing. As scary as it kind of is, honestly, it's powerful. However, we need to be careful. We need to recognize the difference between knowing something and knowing how to access something. 
We need to allow ourselves to recognize that difference. We need to stay humble and recognize that we don't know anything. We as individuals, unless we have domain knowledge on something, we don't know anything. And the people that we should be listening to are the people who have domain expertise on something. They're the people who spent time studying and acquiring that knowledge and expanding on it and thinking about it and writing about it. This is why expertise still matters. This is why prioritizing people who really know what they're talking about still matters. Listen, I love sharing content on this podcast and sharing resources on this podcast, but I'm going to be straight with you. You should not listen to anything I have to say with anything more than like passing curiosity. My goal on this show is not to teach you anything. I am incapable of teaching you anything. I'm an idiot, like straight up. What I can do is find things that I think are interesting, talk about how they might affect us, and then give you the link so that you can go read about it yourself from the actual expert, the person who knows it. Don't fall into the trap of thinking, well, he has a podcast or this person has a video show or this person is famous, that that somehow means that the things they say about a topic that isn't their domain expertise is somehow right. So listen, this has a lot of potential issues, but I think also a lot of potential value. It's just a question of being careful about how we use it. And now that you know what's going on, I'm curious to see how you choose to use that information. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Uh, listen, this was a super fun episode for me to go through, but I want to hear your thoughts. Reach out to me on Instagram at Tiny Leaps and share them with me. I encourage you to read the full paper uh, the link is in the description of this episode under resources. And I also encourage you to check out today's sponsor, Quince. Again, our sponsors are the reason that I can keep doing this show. So head over to onequince.com and use the code TINY10 to get 10% off your first purchase of $100 or more. That's onequince.com and use the code TINY10. Thank you for being here. I've been Greg Clunas. And remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day. Every day.